Welcome everyone to Flyover Footy. My name is Matt Baker. I'm joined as always for our fallout show by Santiago Beltran. And it's another exciting week to discuss St. Louis City SC as we're looking at our 3-0 win over Inter-Miami, the last match in the pre-Lionel Messi MLS era, and with all eyes on Inter-Miami after they announced Messi earlier in the day, St. Louis City SC put on quite a display. Santi, how are you and how's the match for you? Oh, doing doing great. It's a perfect morning. Always great after a win at City, especially at City Park. Um, mm-hmm. Usually... Lots of goals. Um, all the games that City has won at City Park, except one, which was the Colorado game, had uh, at least three goals to score. So for me, it's always great to uh, call a lot of goals, and uh, it just ex- makes it more exciting when when the game has so much, so many things going on. The Golasos, that's just the amazing energy. My wife was commenting on the way home. It's like, this season isn't just going really well. It's going excitingly well with so many goals scored, so many opportunities and moments. You can't look away. It's one of those things where we always talk about the sitting and standing thing, but if you're not paying attention, more than likely you're going to miss something. And that's incredibly exciting for an expansion side, especially. Yeah, yeah, it's been a really exciting season and now going into this League's Cup break and um, at least, uh, well, not really. Like the, the team plays again on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but a, at a, least a break, sort of, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least a break from the league, but now mm-hmm. going into a new competition. And since the game is not until Sunday, the players probably get a, an extra day off. So uh, that'll be yep. good for them. Yeah. But let's kick it off here on Fallout, as we usually do, looking at the starting 11, kind of give our opening thoughts to what we saw there. It was the second, well, this lineup was actually reminiscent of what we had two weeks ago, where it was the exact same lineup at Toronto, except for Rasmus Alm was in for Nico Joachini. We ran out Roman Berkey and net as per usual. Kyle Hebert, Tim Parker, Josh Yarrow, and Akil Watts was our back line. Jabulu Blom uh, kind of cornered a diamond formation there, or, or, or pivoted a diamond with Indiana Vasilev, Jared Stroud, AZ Jackson in the rest of the midfield. Sam Adeneron and Rasmus Alm were our forwards. Santi, what did you think of this? Because Carnell had a few things to say at the end where after the match, he reiterated the importance of guys like Jake Nerwinski and Johnny Nelson, who got them to their 5-0 start, reiterated the importance of Lucas Bartlett and John Bell. I more saw this as an opportunity for our starting 11 to be at its best. So knowing that we had, it was our third game in eight days, but we had done some serious rotation against LAFC in midweek. And we have this league break coming up as we go into League's Cup. Yes, it, it, it is another match next week against Columbus, but it's another competition. So when you're talking about your league performance and we saw it with the Open Cup, the, the team is going to use their best lineup in MLS play. I think that's fairly, fairly obvious. And by running out Sam, AZ, Josh Yarrow and Akil Watts, I'm really starting to see some trust and some some depth changes occurring as this season's progressing. And that's not even mentioning Edu Leuven, who was right. removed. You noted before the game was completely removed from the injury report. And Carnell did have a fun comment from Edu Leuven after the game saying he was pretty angry with me that I only gave him 30 <laughs> minutes tonight. Uh, Carnell said, we're trying to manage Edu's minutes. We don't want to be reckless with it. Because you can see in key moments and transitions how clean the transitions are going forward and how many more goal-scoring attacks we get. But he said, we should just progress him along the right way, downplay it a little, because if I say anything too nice, he's going to be marking my words and force me to play him longer. Yeah, and I think that's the way to to bring him back. Obviously, he, he wants to be there. He wants to play more minutes. But I think the team is doing the right thing and not 
get him exposed to to another injury. But uh, back to the lineup, yeah, um, as you said, very similar to the game against Toronto. Um, kind of uh, after that midweek game where there was a lot of rotation, kind of back to mm-hmm. riding the hot hands and uh, playing the same guys who who basically got the team nine points the previous three games before that LAFC game. So, so yeah, I really liked um, to see guys like uh, Josh Jarrow back in the starting 11, Akil Watts. Uh, to me, like, it's always, it's great to see these guys who last year were at CD2 or in MLS Next Pro, like if you include AC Jackson, Sam mm-hmm. um It shows a lot about what the team did last year and also what we did to recruit new players and um, that's paying off and now the team has all this depth uh, which was uh, a question like three four weeks ago when when things um, weren't going so well and the team had lost a couple of games in a row and people complaining but now you can see that you have a lot of pieces and um, you have depth uh, that was something questionable a few weeks ago. Yeah, and halfway through the transfer window, or just about halfway through, uh, this is of paramount importance, really, because as a team who is climbing the ladder or at the top of the ladder for a little while, you're looking to stay there. And as the league, as the season progresses, extra importance is put on having that depth and writing um, not just your best players, but making sure that you can cover gaps and plug holes as you go in to make sure you don't have stretches where you go five, six, seven games without a win. And City's showing that they're able to do that by this next man up mentality that's proven time and time again at this point. Now we have AZ Jackson as essentially our starting number 10. I think there's no doubt that he's cemented his role, at least for now, in that area. Akil Watts showing that he is our preferred right back, meaning we now have two viable options at depth at right back, which was different earlier in the season. We saw Sam Adeneron once again proving himself up top, so now we have three options up top when Klaus returns. Midfield is stacked. Left back, we have Hebert, Nelson, and Pedro still on the roster. So we still have a lot of that kind of depth going on, allowing Lutz to be more targeted and focused. And we're we're reinforcing that because we talked about it before, and having that reinforcement of all of these positions being very allowing you to be targeted in your approach for the transfer window, because we know we've got rumors from the left side being looked at a couple places in Conrado and Thorson. But this gives you all the confidence in the world that you can use this league's cup break to kind of rest, recharge. You can rotate when you need to, you can play your starters. You can get a guy like Leuven back up to speed, continue to ramp him up and progress him because that quote by Carnell, he's not going to want to sit against League's Cup. I guarantee he'll push for starting against Columbus. You get Klaus, you get Nilsson, and suddenly coming out of League's Cup, you're not just one of the best informed teams. You're one of the deepest and strongest teams. Yeah, yeah, that League's Cup, um, when when the draw came out and CD had Club America and Columbus, I think uh, nobody thought that this was going to be one of the more most competitive groups oh. um like now city in first place columbus also doing well in the eastern conference and um club america they just started their season so who knows what they are going to bring uh, mm-hmm. but i think it's going to be a very competitive group but before we do all of that and look too far ahead let's get back into some of the higher level things that we like to talk about on fallout the passing networks the expected goals some of the stats 
take a look, taking a look at the passing network, Santi, it's kind of as you'd expect, only magnified to me. Total number of passes, which really tell the story here, St. Louis only had 292 total passes, far less than we normally do, and we don't pass the ball much. Miami had 515 total passes. Wow. If that tells you anything, not just the possession percentages, which skewed Miami's way greater than 60%, but the number of passes. And in doing that, St. Louis's positioning was very high up the field consistently. They went for this the entire match. Jabulu Blom, our number six, who keeps in that defensive midfield pivot role, his average position in the middle of the field as that bottom of the diamond was at midfield. The, the, the fact that you can allow your defensive midfielder to have an average position at midfield and still be so effective in your defense and your transitions is remarkable. AZ Jackson was more of a tucked in number 10 inside while Sam and Alm were given free range to kind of roam the field. They pressed really high at times and seeing that, seeing that composition of cities formation spread out, having Jabulu blown really run that midfield at the midfield role. It tells you what you need to know of St. Louis's pressing high and their confidence in their back line, like a Josh Yarrow to be able to track back and a Keel Watts to be able to cover the fullback side. You compare this to Miami, and the interesting thing to me is that Jabulu Blom's average position as City's defensive midfielder was the same average position as Inter-Miami's attacking midfielders and nearing towards their forwards. The way that they played and the way that they lined up in their formations and their defensive shape was polar opposite of what City had. And you can kind of feel that in the ebbs and flows, and I love it when stats really back up what the eye test gives you. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, City always very efficient um, with the possession. Um, keeps showing that possession not always means um, scoring or winning games. But Jabulo Blom, he's he's the boss of the of the midfield. Uh, like uh, I I know this is hopefully a few weeks from now is no longer a secret, but I think um, since he since he has been out for. So since he was out for so many games at the beginning of the season, mm -hmm. like I think uh, national media hasn't discovered him yet. But uh, game by game, he keeps showing he he's one of the best midfielders um, in MLS. So great game again by him. Uh, I was when looking at the passing network, uh, it was interesting to me that AC Jackson was like more towards the right and so close to uh, to Indy, but it's still also a, a good game by him. Uh, like to me. Everybody had a great had a good game last night. It was a, a great team effort. Well, one of the one of the stats that I had for later on is related to crosses and, and AZ Jackson led our team with five crosses. And so seeing what he's able to do, not just moving the ball straight through the midfield in his, the way he carries the ball so well so often and finds openings, drawing defenders into him. This kind of showed a little different dimension for what he was able to do in sending crosses in, working himself on both sides of the field. It gives an extra dimension to his game, and when you're a guy like AZ Jackson, so successful at moving the ball through the midfield with your carries, that's a that's a dangerous thing for opponents and an exciting thing for City fans. Yeah, yeah, it's it's another piece, uh, another uh, more uh, option at number ten. Um, now, when when Edo Lubin is back, it'll be interesting to see what changes um carnell makes um but ac jackson showing uh he he's he earned these minutes and uh, he's backing it up with his play uh had his second um, assist um last night which we're gonna go into more detail uh soon but 
but yeah, he's he's a young player, and and now like there are rumors that teams uh, in Europe want him, so um, yep. he's backing up the minutes with great playing. And his great playing is directly leading to more chances and higher percentage chances for St. Louis. As in this match, St. Louis led the expected goals the entire match. It ended with a 1.4 to a 0.66, which it progressed very well each half. While St. Louis did have all three of their goals that came off of set pieces, two corners and a free kick, they also had a 1.04 expected goals in open play too. So if you see everything that was occurring in the flow of play, the number of shots that we had, it was threatening from St. Louis on both sides, from set pieces and from open play. In that combination, St. Louis had 19 total shots, 11 on goal, compared to Miami's 10 shots and three on goal. Miami only had two shots after 60 minutes. Only one of those was on target, and it had less than 0.1 XG to it. It wasn't threatening at all. So the fact that St. Louis was able to start so strong, they came out with their their clinical 38% possession. They outshot Miami 8-4 to four and 6 nothing on target in the first half. They had six corners earned, two goals scored. The first half was the strong half that St. Louis wants to start off with after a little feeling out period there at the beginning. But in the second half, what usually happens in, in a St. Louis game is one or the other is a little sluggish. You either come out slow in the first, you come out slow in the second. It's rare that St. Louis has been able to string it together both ways. But the fact that St. Louis was able to limit Miami to only two shots after 60 minutes with one being such a low percentage on target shot, that tells you a lot about what able, what St. Louis was able to do throughout the entire match. Yeah, yeah. But the, the second half, uh, yeah, obviously the stats only show uh, two shots on goal. Um, but on the second half, Miami had a period of 10, 15 minutes uh, mm-hmm. where they were dangerous. Berkey had a, a couple of saves, uh, one that was like a, on the goal line. Um, so my, Miami, Miami on the second half, um, when they, um, and I know we're going to go into the subs, uh, but uh, basically they, they went for it with, with two um, number nines, with Campana and, and mm-hmm. Joseph Martinez. And um, they had some chances. Campana had one that, that he uh, anticipated Berkey uh, and he just ran out of room and, and couldn't, couldn't finish the play, but uh, Miami was dangerous at the beginning of the second half, and Tata Martino went for it, but they just couldn't score, and and then uh, St. Louis put the game away with with that goal from Edo Lubin. Yeah, Tata had some interesting comments post-game about Miami needing to learn to live with not scoring and, and kind of how their style hasn't been uh, high-octane goal scoring. And, and it was just very telling about how he sees the threat of this team without a Lionel Messi on the squad. I think not having Leo Campana in the starting lineup was a little bit of a shock to me in that he's their only designated player, really, on their roster at this moment. And having him come in as a second-half sub, I think, was designed to give them a little bit of a boost after starting off the way they did. But let's let's talk about this game flow, Santi. Let's let's kind of go blow by blow a little bit in some of the key moments and the goals. I found the beginning of the game to be, like I said, a feeling out period. I found that it was a little back and forth. The possession wasn't entirely skewed one way or the other. And there definitely weren't too many chances being created. It was kind of testing out each other's shape and seeing what they'd be able to work with. So it wasn't trying to punch them in the mouth too early. It was Let's let's throw a couple things at the wall and we'll see what sticks and let's see what starts to stick so we know what we can do in the next few minutes. Uh, the, the biggest moment to me at the beginning was when uh, when Miami kind of had the ball and Tim Parker went forward to make a move on a run in the middle of the field 
he was sidestepped. He missed a tackle there. And Josh Yarrow became the last man back, sprinting, catching up to Miami's attacker and having a goal-saving slide tackle at around eight minutes. That cleared the ball and really, I think, set the tone for everything that was going to come. Yeah, and that, that shows uh, Josh Jarrow is a great asset for this team. But yeah, my even though you were saying like the first few minutes were like more like uh, teams like studying each other, uh, I I think Miami um, had a little bit more possession and was on, mm-hmm. on City's yeah. field uh, more. Uh, but again, they have problems um, scoring and, and creating chances. So in the end, it didn't hurt City. But yeah, that was a great play by Josh Jarrow to to set the tone and and after that city um, started to do what they do um, press more press higher and uh, get turnovers um, and um, it was just a matter of time until that first goal came yeah and before the first goal I was impressed by our wing play I thought that Miami was trying very clearly as we talked about last week on on follow or fly over fall fly over footy rather that Miami likes to work the ball on the wings, right? They, they very intentionally had um, Robert Taylor and their wing play try to progress the ball. They, they were working it from side to side. In their defensive third, they were very clearly moving it from left to right, right to left to find an opening on the wings. And I thought Jared Stroud, Jabulu Blome, and Kyle Hebert uh, and Akil Watts all really did a good job. So on the uh, left-hand side, you had Stroud, Hebert, and Blome, and then Akil Watts on the right-hand side, very strong in their ability to defend deep. So Miami might have moved the ball up past midfield, but their work on the wings to, to really shut down Taylor and Kramashi was, was impressive to me in the first half. And then, like you said, the pressing 26 minutes, I noticed, noticed that I've been, I was really impressed by the press of our attackers early on in the game. They were very targeted in their approaches, AZL, Sam and Rasmus Alm. They were very targeted in, who they were going after, what uh, what lanes they were trying to close off, and what angles they were going. Because you noticed at times, Rasmus Alm especially was very strong in his pressing, and he did it. He did so to force the ball certain ways. It wasn't just to mm-hmm. dispossess in a one v one. He came at guys at an angle so that they only had one route to pass the ball, and suddenly there's an AZ Jackson, and Sam's got the other guy covered. And so you're you're forcing Miami to not possess the ball to move it up and to try and send it longer where you're getting into some aerial duel issues. And there's a stat at the end with Sam that I, I'm excited to say on what those aerial duels showed, because that was a key to St. Louis's game as well. When those types of duels, Miami isn't, they don't, they don't play well when they're forced to send the ball. They need to possess it to pass it up. And St. Louis took away a lot of that at the beginning of the match. And it all kind of changed in the 28th minute where this, this goal to me was, uh, is it was exciting to see in the buildup, but the the header being so reminiscent the the Sam and Denner on goal at 28 minutes from Indiana Vasilev I want to say how it starts because I I don't I usually like to give the the build up to the play to give the picture and the context but this one was really fun the progression out of the back from Akil Watts to Josh Yarrow to Tim Parker rinse and repeat they did that multiple times to try and just move the ball up a little bit see where they could find holes and then Tim Parker moves it up near midfield it has a long pass just up the field to Sam and Denner on, on the left, off the field in the air. Sam received it, tried to it tries to give a quick crossover, and Kristoff, the defender from Miami, was the one who knocked it out for the corner. And then on the corner kick itself, this is uh, and, and we're gonna have a nice quote from Bradley Carnell and Alex Langer, but this is a uh, pick. This is picture perfect, Alex Langer right here, uh, City set piece coach. 
Indiana's cross from the left corner had Sam, Tim Parker, Josh Yarrow, Kyle Hebert, all lined up in formation right in the middle of the box. Yarrow splits to the left. Hebert splits to the right. Parker stutter steps to the right a little bit, leaves Sam wide open in the middle. Sam takes one step back up and heads it in. Suddenly City's up one nothing, and set piece goals come through again. Yeah, that was amazing to see. And even before that, uh, I think Alex Langer must have seen something um, in, in corner kicks uh, for what Miami did uh, on uh, the far post. Because before this goal, there were a couple of corners, uh, and I think they may have been from the other side, but still going to the far post. And um, Kyle Heaver uh, got a hold of a couple, and um, in the end, it didn't result uh, in a shot on goal or anything like that. But I, I was thinking, like, the team must have seen something on what Miami does when, when the ball goes to the far post and kind of exploited that and and Sam Aaron is scoring that play. But it was a perfect execution now by the team. I liked Kiebert multiple times, had very clearly identified that far post, and the ball was sent so far that it was essentially a, a header to a pass, trying to get the ball back up for another aerial duel which City felt, like you said, I think they felt strongly that if they couldn't get a, a head on net, then they'd be able to put the ball back into play for a second chance after the corner. That was fun to see. Yeah, yeah. And Sam, uh, obviously, he continues his great form. Um, third goal uh, in um, four ma three matches, four matches, and mm -hmm. uh, four goal contribution. So um, it's, it's great to see that he's taking the opportunity when he was brought back and he, he's he's going with it and scoring uh, gives him a lot of confidence and again when when Klaus comes back um, you're gonna have one more piece there so so yeah it's great this, the team is finding uh, depth and finding uh, goals and uh, contribution from from these players that uh, a few weeks ago weren't really a, were really a second thought or maybe people will not see them will not see them as depth pieces yeah they weren't factors. And then after that goal, Santi, St. Louis was very content with letting Miami possess the ball and continuing to try to move the ball up the field the way that they wanted to move the ball up the field. After the goal in 28 minutes, Miami had periods of 66% possession, periods of 90% possession that led into the Tim Parker goal. And it was kind of capped to me that period of time between the first and second city goals with a Joseph Martinez shot. It was notable to me because Joseph Martinez came into this match as Miami's leading goal scorer with six goals. We know that he's he's a threat when he's in form. But when Joseph had a shot on Berkey at 35 minutes, that was his one and only shot that he had the entire game. What what do you make of uh, St. Louis's ability to shut down a guy like Joseph Martinez? Well, the, th the team did a great job shutting him down. But Bradley Carnell um, had said it on, on the press conference on Friday. Like, Joseph Martinez is one of those guys that, you may not see him for the whole game, but then when he gets a chance, he he capitalizes and scores. So it was great that he only had one, and, and the one he had, uh, Berkey came through. Uh, but yeah, Joseph Martinez, I think when when Messi plays, he will be he will start scoring more, and he will have somebody to feed him balls. Uh, but he didn't have Messi yesterday, so only one shot, and he found Berkey. And then it wasn't too long after that shot where Tim Parker took center stage. 
with uh, an AZL Jackson corner kick that started by Miami moving the ball up on their left side. Robert Taylor, who we mentioned uh, two goals on the season and had really been trying to do a whole lot of work on uh, on on their wing. Robert Taylor, he kind of moved the ball up the field right into Akeel Watts. Akeel Watts stepped into Taylor, dispossessed him, and it started a very quick transition down City's right-hand side. Akeel Watts just poked the ball through, found Jared Stroud. Jared Stroud, not finding anybody, just carried the ball himself from before midfield on up to the right wing into the, the box area on the right-hand side. He had Sam Adeneron, who was keeping pace with him, but Miami had three, four defenders back and, and kind of swarming Sam, so there wasn't anything for Stroud to find. He, he instead just took a shot, went on goal from the right-hand side. The ball was punched away by Miami's goalkeeper, Callender, and we had a corner from Jared Stroud's uh, shot on goal. The corner came from AZ Jackson, and this one I, I, I urge to go back and look at the replays from the formation we had on the first goal versus the formation we had on the second goal. They're all fun to watch. That's one of my most oh, favorite. Yeah. I, I love watching how we, we line up in those formations, isn't it? It's beautiful to see the differences. And this difference had a more separated setup. So coming from the opposite corner, you had Josh Yarrow, Rasmus Alm, and Sam Adeneron all within like six feet of the goal, six yards of the goal, while Tim Parker and Kyle Hebert were set up deeper. There was significant space between those two groups, deeper in the middle of the box. Parker, in picture-perfect timing, watch, watch his entire run on this corner because he did a little, a little half circle to the near post, near where Josh Yarrow had set up. Parker jumped over three Miami defenders, over Yarrow, and he was behind where Joseph Martinez had set up. Smashes it home off the far post in that far corner to go in. Another example, Santi, of a far post weakness that was kind of exploited by that near post positioning. Absolutely. Great execution. Uh, but yeah, um, when I was looking at, at the replay um, this morning, yeah, the, the positioning from Tim Parker and Kyle Heaver just uh, they were basically standing by the by the penalty spot, and um, they had uh, one player like kind of with them. Uh, I believe it was uh, Noah Allen, and mm -hmm. uh, just uh, right before AC uh, kicked it, uh, like you can see, like both of them moved and um, they kind of split ways and. Tim Parker went to a far post, but Noah Allen didn't know like where to go. And he kind of stayed, he tried to stay with Heaver. And then when he saw Parker took off, it was too late. And he already had two, stay, two steps on him. And uh, he, he had just a lot of open space. And uh, then he got to that near post and a uh, great execution again. But, uh, but yeah, it was interesting. So after the goal, CD tried to, on another corner kick, they went uh, to a far post again, but I think at that point Miami already knew the play, and then Callender actually, he came out and, and got the ball, so then on this next corner, they switched to uh, to the near post with all that movement. Um, so yeah, again, another great execution, but as you were saying, it's so fun to see uh, the replays and how the guys are positioned and how they moved and the great job um, Alex Langer is doing uh, with these set pieces. Yeah, and then after the after that, the game kind of was clearly in uh, in in the marker of City in the, in the basket of City. So they went into half up two nothing. Miami made two notable subs at halftime. DeAndre Yedlin and Leo Campana came in, and they tried to shore up their their fullback position. They tried to shore up their attack. They tried to give a different look, and it kind of worked in a sense of of what you were saying that they did have a lot of. 
uh, moments in the second half where they were more threatening than the first half by far. In comparison, they had a 0.17 XG in the first half and a 0.49 in the second. So it was it was better. It wasn't anything otherworldly or something to write home about, but it was better. They had three shots on target in the second half versus their zero in the first half. So they definitely had some more success in progressing the ball high enough up the field to get shots on goal and to actually make Roman Berkey work a little bit more than he did in the first half. That's for sure. And then I, I was... I, I was taken aback, or not really taken aback, but I, I was noted that our subs were very effective in this game. And against a team like Inter Miami, where you feel your style matches up very well against them, you feel like you should be the better team top to bottom personnel wise. This is a match where it's kind of you need to show that if you can be tactically successful in your approach to subs and what you can do with your formations after your subs come in, this is the match to do it. This is where you're, you need to say, okay, all things aside, this is a match that we should win, we should dominate, and we should be successful in the way we approach our subs. I thought we were. We had three sub windows in the second half before our third goal. Nico and Edu Leuven came in to start for Rasmus Alman and Indiana Vasilev, which kind of changed our shape a little bit. We, we more so went into that 4-2-3-1 approach that we had shown signs of in the first half, but where Indy was dropping back a little deeper. This one, it was more, you're seeing a, a wider play by AZ Jackson. He shifted to the right more. Jared Stroud was still on the left. And Edu Leuven was given that freedom. It was I was so happy to see this because I really wanted to see Edu Leuven in the eight role, given the freedom to, to defend when he needs to in the midfield, but also the freedom to move up. And Edu Leuven was one of our, our biggest contributors in key passes and in, in chances created, not just from the set piece. But this speaks to his importance of what you can do when you need to keep AZ up and kind of running the offense, you give Edu Leuven that freedom to be right there next to him in the middle. And then at 69 minutes, we have Ostrak and Salio come in for Sam and AZ, and you're seeing a little more like-for-like -like substitutions. You have Nico now taking that, that singular role up top and cementing that 4-2-3-1. 78 minutes, Jake Nerwinski comes in for Akil Watts, gives a little more defensive soundness. You don't need to push up as high, and so you keep Nerwinski back a little probably. And then it wasn't too long after that, until Edu Leuven kind of did Edu Leuven things. And it started as it usually does with a St. Louis defensive move. After the throw in just before 80 minutes, Miami in their attacking end, City swarmed them, forced a turnover to Tomas Ostrak, who slid it over to Edu Leuven in the middle of our defensive third. Leuven carried it just a few yards before passing it to Celio Pompeu. And Celio Pompeu did what Jared Stroud did in that first half. He took it from just beyond midfield all the way into the attacking third into the 18-yard box, where Kamal Miller was lying in wait right outside of the 18-yard box, making an obvious slide tackle to just prevent Salio's entrance into the box. It wasn't really anything else because it, he was clearly beat. Salio had the ball, and so all Kamal Miller could do was tackle him and foul him. Salio was fouled just outside of the box, and Santi, it was obvious at this point. You know who's going to take this free kick. You know there's no argument. There's no discussion. It's not Indy. It's not AZ. It's not... Akil, whoever's in the game at that time, it's Edu Leuven. He's back. He's taking the shot. And boy, talk talk us through your what you saw when he took that free kick. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so yeah, obviously it's one of those that you know. Yeah, it is coming. Uh, but on the broadcast, we were like having a discussion. No, is he, is he gonna cross it? Is he gonna shoot it? And yep. right before he 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 shoot, I was like, no, he's he's gonna. He's gonna go for it, and uh, just a perfect shot. Uh, 
like um and i know i think calendar like gave him an advantage he mm -hmm. he was a, a step ahead uh because he was probably thinking he was gonna cross it so he was he wanted to get ahead of star but i think edu lubin saw that and he just uh perfect shot and um like when you look at the replay the the way like uh, it curves into into a far into a far post uh it was just a, a perfect uh free kick by by edu lubin and it's awesome he returns to city park and returns with a goal um what a what a perfect return for him yeah and leuven's comments post game spoke for themselves on what exactly you mentioned with calendar leuven was saying that at first i was very clear and had already made my decision to go for the top right corner so the goalkeeper take a step to the side so i decided it would be better to go for the left side and you can see on replay the calendar was he managed his five-man wall pretty well. He was giving him direction, but that five-man wall was lined up to the center and just to the right of, of Leuven, designed to, I think, protect against going for the right side. Mm -hmm. Callender, as he he did, Leuven noticed that he made a couple steps to his to his left, to Leuven's right side, but then as the ball, as Leuven was making his approach to the ball, Callender did that even more. He moved more to his right, thinking that exact thought that you said, Leuven's probably going to the right corner. And just unfortunately for calendar, he was caught. He was caught cheating a little bit too far. And yep. Leuven did have a perfectly placed ball. So you can't take anything away from Leuven in the placement of his ball. It was perfect in the left corner. And when you can force goalkeepers into thinking this way, where they're, they know you're dangerous in certain ways and they think you're, you're lined up for a certain spot. They're they're It's the exact same. Uh, it's the exact same mindset as a PK where you're just trying to guess where a player is going to go with the ball based on where they're positioned. And Leuven, by saying that he was initially very clear that he was going to go for the top right corner, had positioned his body to go that way. And so if you're the keeper watching where a player's positioned and knowing that the player after the game says, that's what I was going to do, <laughs> then it's on the player who's taking the free kick to make that adjustment and to win that battle. And Leuven did make the adjustment. He won the battle. He saw what he needed to see. It was exciting to see that that mind game work between Leuven mm -hmm. and calendar in which Leuven just won. Yeah. Yeah. And now, uh, our goalkeepers are going to take notice and yeah, it's great when, when you have so many choices and, and you make the goalkeepers, uh, think about it and, and you can exploit that. And, uh, even if, uh, if they say, okay, he's going to go for it this time, he can always change his mind and do the cross. So, uh, you always have options, uh, especially, uh, with the skill he has, he, he can put the ball anywhere where it is across or, or, or he goes for the shot. So, um, it, it's, it's just another option and it's great to have him back. And Bradley Carnell said after the game, we, we touched on it earlier. He gave a shout out to Alex Langer, set piece specialist for his hat trick tonight, supported by John Hackworth. Uh, and I think the stat that I saw at the end of the game that city put out is that they have 16 set piece goals now, which leads the league. An wow. impressive, an impressive stat uh, in in context of how many goals they've scored total and how effective they've been in open play. But knowing how dangerous they are on set pieces with and without Leuven is kind of remarkable. Yeah, yeah, it's just another weapon that the team can use, and um, it's been great in some of these games. Um, City gets a, a quick start and. Um, these this set pieces have been an advantage for City. And um, it's something, when you think about an expansion team, that 
it's a it's a new team, new guys. Maybe this doesn't apply to City because a lot of these guys have been together for a while. But uh, getting that chemistry, getting uh, the the players to trust to trust each other on these set piece plays, it it takes time, mm-hmm. and it's great to see an expansion team executing so well in set pieces. That's a great call out. One of those set piece scorers was Tim Parker, player of the match, and. In my opinion, he's a shoe-in for MLS Team of the Match Day that'll be released at the oh, beginning yeah. of this week. When, yeah. a, when a defender scores a goal, he's almost assuredly in Team of the Match Day. Tim Parker doesn't need to score a goal because he's made the Team of the Match Day without scoring, but this one, there's there's no doubt in my mind. And he headed in his third goal of the season. Parker now joins Jeremy Abobasi, um, Giorgio Giacomatis, and Kai Kamara for the second most headed goals in MLS. Think about some Great. of those. Joining three attackers... Great company. uh, Right? Tim Parker, of all people. Parker's three goals are tied with Andrew Gutman, Brooks Lennon, Donovan Pine, and Miguel Trauco for the fourth most goals by a defender in MLS this season. So he's alongside the top defenders in goal scoring. He's alongside some of the best attackers in headed goals. Parker himself surpassed his career total of two goals through his first eight seasons with three goals in 20 games this season. He's uh, clearly on a different level than he's ever been in his career, doing things that are both necessary to keep a team in the game, but also exciting from these set-piece opportunities. Carnell's quote after the game on Tim Parker is that so many years a veteran in the league to get his first all-star call-up is amazing, and it just shows credit to the road that we're paving and the opportunities that we're creating. But again, players need to have buy-in. Players need to implement the system. It's full-circle belief and trust that we're trying to create and cultivate, and Tim leads that by his actions. Carnell went on to say, sometimes there are moments of changes in your life. You find a new purpose and you find a why. And every day you step over those white lines, you play for that purpose. And we we talked about how Tim Parker seems to be just not just back to his old self, but on a completely different level than he's ever been. He, he said that he's kind of rejuvenated in St. Louis. And this is obviously doing great things for him, both personally and professionally. He's, he's having fun out there more than anything. And when you're a guy of the of the talent and capabilities of Tim Parker, and you're having fun doing this, the league better watch out because that's a dangerous position to be in. Yeah. And that's another, uh, that's another showing of uh, the great job uh, Lutz and Bradley did the scouting players, um, recruiting players, um, Tim Parker, obviously um, this trade during, um, during the expansion draft and, um, City was even able to to get Houston to pay for some of his salary. Yep. So it shows the, the great job um, that Lutz and Bradley did um, building this team and, and finding uh, a leader for, for the defense. When you think about the spine, uh, he's part of that spine. And, and he wasn't um, one of the signings. Um, obviously, you also have Joachim Nilsson, but he has been out for a while. Hopefully, he will return soon but Tim Parker basically he just stepped into us role into that role knowing that Joachim Nilsson was going to be out for a while and and uh, what a way to uh, rejuvenate his career and he's he's having his best time and um, they were last night uh, when when he was uh, on his um, availability with press and uh, mm-hmm. people were joke, joking about obviously he has scored three goals uh, more than the two he had scored on all his career so they were like team are you now like considering converting to setter forward and <laughs> they were jokes about it so uh, it's great to see that environment too and that the players are 
so happy here in St. Louis. And um, hopefully uh, this is the break and the league uh, returns in August. But uh, I'm sure uh, they will compete in, in League's Cup and take this opportunity to um, recharge and be ready for the second half of the season. Well, Tim Parker did say at one point during the City Voice interview that he played center forward as a kid. So you can make an argument that he feels like he's a kid again playing the sport that he loves. It's one of those it's one of those fun fairy tale type narratives that Carnell likes to reference. And I, I think you mentioned Houston's still paying for half his salary. This was an example, Tim Parker, where we picked him up on the night of the expansion draft or announced him at least. And mm-hmm. he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't toiling, but he wasn't doing uh, as well as he had been with Houston. And so I think Lutz and Bradley saw an opportunity to bring a guy in who can be a leader who knows the system and just needs a fresh, a fresh start, a fresh look, a fresh a venue to, to work. And this is the, the, one of the biggest success stories in the entire St. Louis city roster building is being able to bring in Tim Parker, the way they did with the roster mechanism, how they did it and seeing what he's done, not just individually, but in bringing up guys like Lucas Bartlett and Kyle Hebert and mentoring all the different players that he is. And the work that he's done on and off the field has been, Incredibly impressive. Santi, yeah. we've got, we've got, we could talk a lot about a lot of players. I think there's a lot of time. We could probably spend an entire extra pod on, <laughs> on, yeah. the, on the numerous, yeah, the stats and the intangibles from all the other players. I do have a few that I wanted to go through because we're short on time, I know, but we can't get out of here without saying Roman Berkey records his seventh clean sheet of the season. His seven clean sheets are tied for fifth in the league. And Carnell just glowing after the game on Roman Berkey good distribution moments. He, the save on the goal line down low was the most impressive one. He catches midair, holds on to it. He's great. He's earned himself this all-star call up. So we're going to see Roman Berkey here early this week in the all-star skills challenge on Tuesday. I really hope to see Roman Berkey in the goalie wars, because I think that would be one of the most fun things to have happen for an expansion side, for a guy of Roman Berkey's talent. Carnell referenced him as resurrecting his career as well, uh, along with Tim Parker where he hadn't played the entire season before coming to City, mm-hmm. uh, having his spot taken at Dortmund. So having Roman Berkey saying he's still young enough to add many years to his career, he, he should and could have played anywhere in the world as a starter. So we're lucky to have him in a lot of regards, and we're seeing him uh, do everything that he was hyped to. Yeah, definitely. Again, um, the team doing a great job recruiting. And uh, yeah, I was, and I have said it before, I was a little skeptical when when the team brought Berkey just because he had not played for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously the team also paying him a lot, but but he has shown that he's, wor- he's worth every penny. And uh, he always comes through with a save or two. And he's also uh, one of the leaders out there. Uh, obviously he's the captain, but but he, he he's a great leader. And uh, um, it was... Um, Towards the end of the game, I was like 85th, 86th minute. The game was already three nothing, and uh, you could see Carnell like still like uh, like talking to the defense, talking to Berkey, and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, he wants the clean sheet. Yeah. So so it's great that now uh, three clean sheets in four games, uh, and the defense. Um, yeah, aside from the LAFC game, um, the defense is is also uh, getting stronger, and now. Uh, with the clean sheets uh, coming at the, at a great time, and um, just things keep picking up, and and the team keeps going going up in their form and getting wins, and it's great. It's been a great season uh, here in St. Louis, Matt. 
All right, Santi, let's do rapid fire on a few of the other players here. I'm going to go with Indiana Vasilev to start. Indy recorded his sixth goal contribution on the season. He has two goals and four assists. He was second on the team with four crosses and two key passes in this game. AZL Jackson recorded his second assist of the season, giving him a goal contribution in three straight or three of the last four City SC goal or matches. Led the team with three key passes tonight. Led with five crosses as well. So what am I saying about working on his way on the wings and providing a different distribution? Sam Adeneron scored his third goal of the season. He has four goal contributions across City's last five contests. Sam led the team. This is the stat that I was alluding to earlier. He led the team by far with nine aerial duels won. When you talk about, and let me take a, a pause for Sam, because when you talk about uh, a forward stepping into the role that Klaus had with hold-up play, ability to win the ball on these long crosses, on the long passes up, and and control it to allow the rest of the team to move in transition, you need to win these aerial duels. That's what City does a lot in just hopes of creating chances and moving the ball in transition. Sam, by having nine aerial duels, did that to a T. And that's how St. Louis was able to progress the ball the way they were so clinically with so little possession overall. Is you send the ball up to Sam, you have him recover it and do his work to, to then pass the ball out or distribute however he needs to. This is the the thing behind the the scenes that Sam does very well. It's not going to be the most flashy thing in the world. It's not going to lead to, it might not lead to goal creating actions. It might not lead to goals, but it leads to chances and opportunities. And so nine aerial duels won by Sam. Carnell said after the game on Sam, we have, a, we have to work from a tactical standpoint. We have to really work hard with Sam in terms of the nuances, of what we're trying to do, but there's just raw talent, raw energy and power and strength of, Sam, who occupies two, three opponents every single time he steps on the field, which frees Rasmus Alm, AZ Jackson, anybody else. And he's taking this and running with it. He's a weapon. He needs a ton of confidence. And I think through his performances and freedom that we've given him, he's rewarding his team, rewarding himself as well. This is a guy who, on loan with San Antonio, found his form. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, obviously, there was a lot of uh, talk about. Sam going on loan, uh, time with uh, when Klaus went, went, had his injury. But uh, this was what he needed. He needed minutes. And um, at that point, the team wasn't sure how long Klaus was going to be out. So I think at the end, it was the right decision. He was able to get minutes in San Antonio, a score, which uh, is, is something that, um, that strikers need. They need to score to get confidence. So he got that confidence in San Antonio. And... Then he comes back to St. Louis and does the same, keeps scoring yeah. and contributing. And uh, I love the way he he protects the ball. And as as you were saying, uh, or on the Bradley quotes, he can draw two or three guys and create a space for our players. So he's kind of doing what Klaus was doing at, at the beginning of the season uh, with the way he he held the ball and uh, created a space. So another weapon um, with Sam Anira. That's right. Last little bit on the players, Akil Watts and Jared Stroud led the team in tackles and interceptions with five and three respectively. Jared Stroud also led the team in fouls drawn with three. So he did good work. And when he had the ball, able to, to draw those fouls, get some free kicks and, and just put himself in dangerous positions. Jabulu Blome led the team in passes into the final third with five. So how high up he was playing in the field, able to distribute into dangerous areas. And then Edu Leuven, we got to finish with Edu Leuven. With Leuven's goal, he now has 12 goal contributions this season, six goals and six assists after missing the last five games. So if we've played 
what, 22 matches. He's only had 17 goal, 17 matches, 12 goal contributions. Leuven has five goals off set pieces this season, tying him with Alan Pulido, Amin Bassi, and Christian Espinoza for the fourth most set piece goals in MLS after missing five games. And he's now, he this weekend, he was second on the team with four crosses. So only getting 30 minutes of action, being second on the team with four crosses, having a goal. Leuven impacted this game after already being up. This was... It was in, in a way reminiscent of the Union Omaha U.S. Open Cup game where he came in so late, he scored that goal, and it doesn't matter how many minutes Leuven is on the field. If he's on the field, he's going to be a difference maker. For sure, for sure. And I think um, it took him a, a while to uh, get in the game. Um, I, I felt like at, at the beginning he was a little tentative, like uh, when going into duels or even when, when shooting the ball, I, I felt like, he was trying to get his confidence back, but then after 10 minutes, he was uh, Edward Lewin is back, and obviously he capped it off with that um, set piece. And the team will continue ramping up his minutes. Uh, I'm sure he will see more time in League's Cup. So it's great that he's back and that that he hopefully that injury is behind him now. Yeah, and he's said before that it's a lot of mental toughness that needs to needs to occur. And so these are the opportunities to build that mental toughness for Leuven. Now let's look at a few facts from City in this game. City's 13 wins now is the fifth most win total by an expansion team for an entire season. We, we're now clearly in the territory of talking about um, all season, season long. So we have, I believe, 12 games left, and it's LAFC that we're chasing from their 2018 season. I think they had, I'm going to say 16 because I don't have the number in front of me, but it's, it's, it's attainable. Is, is the go home with that is we are now in reach of a full season expansion win record. Along with that city is now 11 0 and two in MLS play when scoring the first goal city is eight, three and one at city park. They recorded their seventh home win while scoring three or more goals. They have nine wins scoring three or more goals in the entire season. And they have 29 goals across 12 home MLS matches. These all speak Santi to city park being a fortress. Yeah, amazing numbers. And uh, just back to what you were saying. Yeah, it is 16. The record is 16. Awesome. Uh, held by uh, LAFC from their 2018 season. So so we're three away. Three away. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I was... Uh, well, John Gasparoni posted um, that the 13 wins and um, that the record is 16. And yep. he, was, uh, he mentioned uh, that a lot of people thought uh, that City was only going to win uh, three or four games. And I was like, hey, 13 is the new the new three. <laughs> Just wait till the end of the season. If you thought that St. Louis kept receipts well during the season, those uh, those national writers are going to want to duck and cover for a few days after the season's <laughs> over, no matter how it ends. Because with this win total, and we know that there's more wins coming, it's it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it, this has been really fun to watch um, CD basically has been in every game, even though like, yeah, if you think Seattle, LAFC team lost three, nothing, but the team was in the game for a long, for a big part of the game. Mm -hmm. So, um, there hasn't been, there hasn't really been like, uh, Oh, um, the team wasn't in this game. It's been great to see how the team has been playing this season. And now we're looking forward to, uh, least cup and then to, uh, the, 11 games that the team have uh, for the regular season. Yeah, so coming out of this match, this pre-Lionel Messi version of Inter-Miami finishes their 22 games of the season 
with just 18 points and a 5-14 and 3 record, falling to 1-9 and 1 away from Drive Pink Stadium and now have a minus 14 goal differential. So if ever there is a team in need of Lionel Messi, maybe globally, this might be the team. We'll see if the post Messi Miami can do any better with his friends Busquets, Jordi Alba and whoever else might join. St. Louis on the other hand, Santi takes it remains St. Louis remains in first place in the Western Conference with 41 points after 22 games played. They improved to 13, 8, and 2 overall, 13 wins, 8 losses, 2 draws. And like I said, 8, 3, and 1 at City Park, now having a league leading plus 16 goal differential and are second only to the Columbus Crew in goals scored with 43. Keep that team in mind because we're going to be talking about them later this week for Leagues Cup. Bradley Carnell, after this game, Santi said, what started off to be a fairy tale has become business. It sparked an appetite, a hunger for more. And when I say the players, the way they perform tonight, knowing there's a little break coming up, knowing there's League's Cup, and that essentially from a mental standpoint, you can at least switch off for a few days. This has been massively massively important for us, and now we start to turn on the focus. Santi, what do you think about how City goes out of this match? Well, they go on a, they go out on a high note because um, Bradley Carnell said it uh, earlier in the week that this was like a like a break mm-hmm. uh, for them when the way they break down um, the season. Uh, which I don't want to talk about blogs or anything like that. You know, I don't <laughs> like that. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, basically the break, and the team goes out in a high note after uh, playing three games in eight days and six points out of nine. It's it's great, and the team. Um, keeps uh, first place. And uh, to add to that, Seattle and LAFC tied last night in their game. So uh, um, whatever um, LAFC was able to make up on Wednesday, now uh, City got two of those points back. So, so yeah, no, the team goes on, on this break on a high note. Um, it, it will be interesting to see what, what we see in League's Cup. I have a feeling there may be... Uh, I don't know if this is rotation anymore because all these players had shown uh, that when they then their number is called, they can they can play and basically the team doesn't meet a heartbeat, doesn't miss doesn't miss a heartbeat. But um, I think with Berkey going um, to the All Star game on mm-hmm. Wednesday, maybe on Sunday um, he may sit out and we may see Ben Lund. But knowing how competitive he is, he, he probably say he he will say no, I want to play. But yeah. that's one that will make sense to me. But but no, um, nobody expected this at the beginning of the season. Team being at first place when the league's cup um, when the when the league went into break for league's cup. So it's it's been a, as Carnell was saying, a start as a fairy tale, and now uh, it's business, and everybody's bought into it, and everybody wants to continue uh, performing and have set high standards. So um, it's it's been great to see, Matt. Yeah, and our our friend Gen C's over on 198 kind of implied that. I wonder if we'll see Ben Lute next week. And so we'll have a lot of fun to talk about that on Flyover later this week. But coming out of this, the big picture, not just St. Louis being in first place, but this week in MLS action saw some really interesting results. You mentioned LAFC drawing Minnesota 1-1. We had Seattle drawing FC Dallas 1-1, so we're picking up points on both of those. Vancouver beat LA Galaxy 4-2, so they climbed into a playoff position. Salt Lake continues their ascent, beating New York Red Bulls 3-1. So Salt Lake has moved into uh, third place right alongside LAFC and tied on points just four off of St. Louis. 
The other match, Austin had defeated Sporting Kansas City 2-1. to So Austin FC quietly climbing in the standings as well, up to fifth place in the West. There's a lot of congestion going on in the Western Conference with a lot of teams really close together there in the middle, but St. Louis having the biggest separation of them all, four points clear of LAFC and Real Salt Lake, five points clear of Seattle. So Santi, the focus now shifts for City. They have three days off. Carnell has said he's given the players three days off this week. Uh, for the All-Star game, whether he wants to, whether they want to watch it or not. He doesn't want to see the players for three days. And then it's back to business. So we have a break from league action where MLS play will not resume until Sunday, August 20th. But our first League's Cup match is against the Columbus Crew next Sunday, July 23rd, before then returning to City Park in a week and a half on July 27th against Club America. We're going to have a lot more on both of those games on next week's Flyover Footy. Basanti, do you have anything else as we go home on this one? No, no, Matt. I think that's that's enough for today. It looks like we're going to stay under one hour, so kudos to us. It's always fun to talk about a win, so I'm, I'm impressed that we were able to do that a little bit. For Santiago Beltran, I'm Matt Baker. Thanks for joining us on Flyover Footy's Fallout, our 3 nothing look at Inter-Miami. And enjoy the All-Star game this week. Hopefully we have a nice run in League's Cup. Thanks for joining us. If you if you like what you heard, like, subscribe, follow us on our socials at Flyover Footy, and we'll be back later this week on Friday, recording on Thursday night, to talk about the Columbus Crew Leagues Cup. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you later. Vamos City!